What's going on, folks? Welcome back to the island. Jay Sahoda, Lahi, and on this episode of Baller Island, it's conference tournament week in NCAA basketball, and we are going to preview the major conference tournaments, ACC, Big East, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12. We're going to preview all of those tournaments, make our predictions, talk about dark horses, and much more there. We'll talk a little NBA. LeBron dropped 50 against Golden State. B Celtics are going off right now. Jason Tatum dropped 50 against Brooklyn. We'll talk a bit about that. And a massive news in the NFL world as Russell Wilson is a Denver Bronco in the biggest trade in NFL history. We, of course, need to break that down as well. And then, of course, can't go out an episode without talking about Mike Krzyzewski's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium because B and North Carolina got a huge dub. We'll talk about that as well. North Carolina Duke in that one as well. So keep a lot. Stay tuned. Got a great episode coming your way. And don't forget to give Baller Island a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. Another week. Welcome back to the island, ladies and gentlemen. What a week it's been. We got football news, we got basketball news, college and NBA. And uh, who knew we'd have some quarterback carousel to talk about today. Jay Money, the big dogs, Russell Wilson out the division. How are we feeling? Ooh, yeah. Feeling great, man. Absolutely ecstatic, really. Tuesday was like Christmas all over again. I mean, Russell Wilson. This guy made my life absolutely miserable for 11 years. And to know that he's finally out of the NFC West, just I, I cannot even explain how much that made my day. But apparently March Madness doesn't just apply to basketball because football news has been crazy. NBA news has been crazy. Everything's been crazy. The MLB lockout's done. It's, it's, it's whack. Absolutely wild. Other news, Aaron Rodgers re-signs. We had Duke Carolina happen. We had... Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum go head to head. My Celtics are picking it up. Oh my God. I don't need, I mean, let's start. Let's start in the NFL. Let's get to it. I mean, not only did Russell Wilson get traded to Denver, Bobby Wagner got released. So the whole era, they both came in at the same day. They left on the same day. The whole era in Seattle is gone. All gone. So they got the two first round picks, the two second round picks, Drew Locke. Noah Fant, and a third-round pick. I don't really know. I mean, I feel like this was totally, oh, Aaron Rodgers re-signed. Boom, plan B. Let's get let's get Russell Wilson here. Um, and, I, I mean, I feel like Aaron Rodgers might have costed them a little bit more. He's on a more expensive deal. So I feel like Russell Wilson's kind of a better fit for them. This was a frisky team last year. Um, hopefully Jerry Judy can stay healthy the whole year now. Um, Corlin Sutton can stay healthy. They got some. They got some players. I think this could be a really interesting squad. Um, kind of interesting. They didn't give up um, Patrick Sertan in the trade too. Um, the first overall, pick, uh, their first round pick from last year because he pretty promising player. I thought that he would have been involved in the deal, but frisky team now. I mean, that AFC West is going to be a gauntlet, man. It's it's got to be the best division of football now. Like it went from the NFC West to the AFC West, and it's it's insane to have Justin Herbert, uh, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr in the same division is absolutely insanity to have that in the division. But the thing for Russell Wilson is like this is nothing new to him. 
Like he went from in a division in the NFC West where he battled Kyler Murray twice a year. He battled Matthew Stafford twice a year. He battled Jimmy Garoppolo twice a year. And even going back to like even the past few in the like the past year back in the early like, you know, 2011, 2012, he had to battle Carson Palmer in his prime twice a year, Colin Kaepernick twice a year. So Russell Wilson's been doing this. So this is nothing new for him to go into a division that's just stacked. But knowing that we're going to have Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson twice a year, man, that's it's just going to be absolutely insane. And I can actually root for Russell Wilson now. For the first time in my life, I can actually root for Russell Wilson now, man. It's just, oh my God. Just, just knowing number threes out of the NFC West just gives me chills. Unbelievable. Never thought the day would come. But for Denver in itself, you said it perfectly. They were a young, scrappy team that plays hard. And now you add a leader in Russell Wilson to that team. Denver can be a scary team, man. The AFC itself is a absolute gauntlet. It's going to be absolutely nuts. Yeah, I mean, imagine you're Russell Wilson. You finally get to avoid playing Bosa and Aaron Donald and just the shit show that that division was. Now, oh my God, I'm not playing against these guys at the same time, but still, my defense has to stop Mahomes, Herbert. Derek Carr's not at that level, but Derek Carr is still not, I mean, not a fourth best quarterback in a division type of guy. Um, I think, I don't really know. I mean, I, this team had, I feel like, honestly, the whole way Seattle was going, Russell Wilson, did he win the Super Bowl in his second year as a starter? Second year. Yep, second year. Right. I feel like this squad was just set up, and then it all, since since the Malcolm Butler pick, it just went all crashing downhill. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that is basically what happened there, right? Because then it seemed like, I, I can't remember if Marshawn Lynch, I think he left after that year, so then he left, and then the Legion of Boom kind of collapsed, and yeah, mm-hmm. ever, ever I think there that, was there was a little bit of divide between Russell Wilson and the defense, and uh, I mean, because then there was you know all the reports and like, wait a second, is Russell Wilson like a diva or what's going on? Then he wanted the contract. I mean, I feel like since that, I mean, this was a looking like a dynasty or a potential real something happening. They already won the one Super Bowl already in the finals and another, and then just like that, they never went back. Yeah, it it is pretty crazy how that happened for Seattle, but it seemed like a lot of, at least for the reports that I saw, that Russell Wilson kind of checked out and he just wasn't really feeling it anymore. And can you really blame him? I mean, he was asking for so much help and Seattle just never gave it. And I don't know what direction Seattle's going in. Again, the Niner part of me, good Lord, I, I could care less. I love it. But at the same time, like as an organization, I don't know where Seattle's going, where Denver's going. Now, here's the good thing for Denver. You traded for a Super Bowl champion quarterback and a nine-time Pro Bowler, but this isn't like Tampa Bay where it's like you went and got Tom Brady and it's, you know, we got to win the Super Bowl like right now because Tom Brady could retire at any moment as that's exactly what happened. This, in this case scenario, Russell Wilson has maybe a good five, six years left in him. Like I, I think he could play to least 40. I know you think he could play until he's 42 if he could stay healthy, which really other than last year, he has stayed healthy. Last year was the first time he missed games in his entire career. Now, Russell Wilson can stay healthy. It's not necessarily we got to win the Super Bowl next season. Like, let's just, you know, get some experience. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's play in big games. And really in the AFC, it seems like every game is going to be a big game. So it, when you're looking for, for Denver, they got a leader in Russell Wilson to come in and be around all these young guys. And I think that's the 
that's the biggest key for the Denver Broncos is the fact that they got a leader, not just a great quarterback, but a leader to lead these young guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. This is a – I mean, I think I saw their Super Bowl odds are the fifth best in the league now. It's a little ahead of ourselves. I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but going to be a fun division to watch. Other news, Aaron Rodgers, four years, $200 million deal at age 38, 153 guaranteed. Tag the Devontae Adams. They're keeping the band back together. I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, why wouldn't I? I'm all, I've already been the highest paid quarterback. Shoot, you're going to pay me more? Why not? I'm in the division. No Tom Brady. I mean, in my conference. To me, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm just looking at the Rams. I'm looking at your Niners who have had my number. And that's it. Because who else am I forgetting? Because I can just sit here. I don't have to. I can watch that AFC beat, beat each other up. I'll meet you if I meet you. But I'm chilling. I don't want to go to Denver. I can just stay here with my division. Just chill. Put up MVP numbers. Do my thing. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way. And you could also look at it on the other way. Whereas as a Niner fan, I'm sitting here like, great. Rodgers is coming back. And like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. I don't fear that at all. I don't fear the Green Bay Packers at all. I don't fear the Los Angeles Rams at all. So I'm happy. Brady's gone. Brady was really the only guy that I was actually legitimately scared of in that division. And Russell Wilson. Now they're both gone. I'm looking at the other side, and it's like, for Green Bay, yeah, sure, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, great. They brought the band back together, but, like, until they actually get to a Super Bowl, it really doesn't mean much to me. Like, you know what's funny? Since since we're in March and we're talking college basketball, too, the Packers kind of remind me of my Gonzaga Bulldogs. Like, the regular season just does not matter. It's what you do in the postseason that matters. So, Aaron Rodgers, yeah, can just come in relax, you do whatever you want for 18 weeks, but then when it comes playoff time, that's when it's put up or shut up. And as of right now, they've done nothing to show forth in the playoffs. So big whoop, Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay. Again, it's like, you know, this this to me isn't a big storyline until January of 2023, in my opinion, at least. I mean, but like you got a better chance is what I'm saying. It's oh, absolutely, like, absolutely. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Who knows what your squad's gonna look like with Trey Lance, right? Well, nobody has any idea. Yeah. Um, and then the Rams are still gonna be the Rams. They just won the Super Bowl. We know how hard it is to repeat. Plus, they're only built for another one or two years, right? Mm-hmm. You just signed yep. a four-year deal. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, why not? I could get there, no problem. Um, especially because the one team that's had his number going with a uh, first-year quarterback, right? So who knows? Um. Another quarterback carousel move we got. Carson Wentz. God. Oh, Lord. So, uh, he moving on to the Commanders. Crazy. I don't, re- I don't understand jack about this trade. Why would, if you're Washington, why would you take on Carson Wentz? Um, Indy, okay. I mean, you, we know how good of a squad Indy has. They're, they're a one piece away. I don't know. I mean, I heard some Jordan Love buzz, but I just feel like Jordan Love's not that guy. I want to see Indy, because I feel like Indy's the way bigger question in this. I want to see Indy go after a Matt Ryan. Hmm. Interesting. That's that that's the first time. I mean, I know the trade only happened yesterday, but that's the first that's the first time that I've heard because as far as I'm concerned, I know Atlanta Atlanta seems like they want to keep him, but like really, does it really make sense to keep Matt Ryan in Atlanta? Like it really doesn't make sense to do that. Um, whether go to Indianapolis. Give him the honestly, Stafford moment, you know? Yeah, no, I, I honestly, 
I could see it. I could see it there. Like they got a great a great team there. I I know Indy might go really heavy on Jimmy G and see where that goes. And I like that fit too. But Matt Ryan, it's a honestly, I kind of like that. I I just didn't really like. I I never thought of Matt Ryan being available. But if Indy, you know, Indy goes in and gives a trade to Atlanta that they just can't refuse, which I don't really know what that would be necessarily because you don't want to give up any of your other assets. You're trying to win a Super Bowl here. And you don't have your picks. So I'm not really sure what they're kind of leveraging there. Whether with Jimmy Garoppolo, you could get rid of a second, maybe two thirds and kind of still get away without giving out any, you know, any of your big name players or big assets there. So that's an interesting one, though. I I haven't heard that one. And honestly, I don't mind it. I think that's not a bad thing. But Indy, they have options. They're limited options. But yeah, they're obviously the more intriguing. Washington's a, bro, you literally said it in, in, in your own sentence. It makes no sense to you. It's Washington, so it makes all the sense in the world to me that they, they went out against Carson Wentz. Washington, it was last week, right? I think, I can't remember if we talked about it or not. I'm pretty sure we did. Washington, it was reported that they were looking and researching 42 different quarterbacks across the NFL, and they somehow, some way, came out of this with Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke. <laughs> like, I mean, is, is that even like... Even when they were trying out Fitzpatrick last year, I'm like, that's fine. Like, nothing wrong with – I mean, I would take – what's the difference between Fitzpatrick for his contract versus Carson Wentz for his? You know what I'm saying? Like, Not much. That's a step back to me, if anything. I agree, and that's why I'm saying that with Heineke. Taylor Heineke has more playoff experience than Carson Wentz, even if it's one game. He has more experience. So I don't know why you go in and do that. And if anything, Taylor Heineke – Taylor Heineke is exciting. He kind of excites me. And I know he's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Yeah I, yeah, I understand that. But he's gritty. Like, if you want to go for an upgrade, go for an upgrade. Carson There's Wentz no is point not. In moving sideways, but the sideways move costs you an extra $20 million. Like, that it, doesn't make no sense. Exactly. And I don't think this was Washington's first choice. I know they wanted to trade a haul to Washington, and Russ was like, yeah, screw that. <laughs> I don't think he, he did not waive his, his uh, no-trade clause to Washington. Garoppolo did the exact same thing. So they're like, yeah, we're not going to Washington. Screw that. And I think it got to the point where they're like, well, let's try and go, go out and get Carson Wentz. But even at that moment, it's like, again. Just draft like you're somebody. Just, you're going to have a good draft pick. Just take somebody in the draft, man. I mean, I there's agree. no way Carson Wentz. I mean, you can get somebody on a rookie. Deal. I get it's not even a good quarterback class. We know that. No, yeah. But Give somebody a shot on a rookie contract versus giving Carson Wentz what we know for the last three, four years on his contract. I, yeah. It really does not make no sense. It doesn't. It makes absolutely no sense. The only good part about it, though, is that, like, at least from, like, a, an entertainment standpoint, is Carson Wentz gets to play Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts twice a year. I like that. Right? Carson Wentz facing the guy in the team that shows Jalen Hurts over you, and you got to play them twice a year. I kind of like that a little bit. It adds a little more, you know, fizzazz to and no one gives a damn about a Washington-Philadelphia game. But now, adds a little more spice into that game. But in general, no, it's it's very typical of Washington to make a move like this. So I'm not surprised at all, but we'll see. And then I guess the last domino to kind of fall there is where Jimmy Garoppolo will be. And I would assume the next time we get on this next week, although... We're going to be full on in the in the bracket for March Madness. Probably won't get so much free agency until the following week. But I would assume Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded in the coming weeks, so whether that's to Indy, Pittsburgh, 
or New Orleans, I heard, is in the mix too for Garoppolo. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where Jimmy ends up there. Yeah, this thing's drying up quick. If you didn't get your one or two guys, psh, the drop off between a Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz for your team is is pretty drastic. But uh, let's move on, man. Let's get to the NBA. Yeah, man. Let's do it. And I, your your Celtics are balling right now. Hey, man. Jason Tatum, Player of the Week. Uh, shoot, went head to head. Got thirty seven against Trey, thirty eight against Ja. 54 against KD, 44 against Charlotte, four games in a row. This team is absolutely rolling. Best defense in the league. Shortened up the rotation, which I like. Why not? Um, and Al Horford's having a little bit of a resurgence, and Marcus Smart's playing the stupid free basketball. I mean, this team's clicking right now. There were some growing pains with the, you know, the new coach and everything. He was being a little hard on them, calling everybody out, but. I mean, you got to – it's just growing pains. It's going to take some time. Two months of unwatchable basketball, and it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a turnaround in season like this where the first two months, oh, my God, we're up 20. We're going to blow this lead. And now it's like, holy, we're for real right now. I feel like we're for real. Boston's – they're balling, man. And we were talking about the other day, too. Like, they're they're playing good basketball right now. And there's been a shift in the standings, too, right? We were talking about it two weeks ago. Of how right Chicago was in the two the two seed they've now dropped to four, um, Cleveland was in the four spot they've now dropped to six. So we've kind of seen the shift right. Philly's now at three. Milwaukee jumped all the way to two. The Bucks are on a roll now too. So the East there's a lot of fluctuation going on there. But the Celtics they're only half a game back of Chicago, two and a half back of Philly. They're well in this thing. There's still a month and a bit to go in the regular season. Boston Celtics could most definitely keep this thing rolling. And, man, yeah, if Jason Tatum keep playing like this, this looks like the Jason Tatum of last year, man. Balling. Absolutely Way better balling. than the Jason Tatum of last year. This is just, I mean, the passing he's made, the shots, like he's just not for – to me, I was – you know this. I've been kind of skeptical of Tatum for a long time, and I've always like, yo, my worst fear is if he becomes a Carmelo guy. And he mm. just only cares about the buckets but not the team ball. And this – Last few months, since honestly, since the beginning of the year, yeah, like the 2022 year, his passing is what's impressed me because we ever, everybody knows he can get his own buckets, right? It's yo, your double team now, swing the ball, and like now your shots come easier to you because the ball's gonna find you back, man. That's what's really been impressive, and he's this is the best he's ever been, and I'm amped. Yeah, man. No, Boston looks great, and we'll we'll see if they keep this up, right? And I think they will. And the East is such a gong show, well. I mean, we'll see how they go, too. And your boy, Robert Williams, putting it work, too, man. You're saying this guy. Could... Hey, Depoy. I have not heard no buzz. Put him in the Depoy. I got to see Marcus Smart, first team. Uh, Robert Williams, first team. Jason Tatum, second team for all defense. At least those three guys. Horford's having a great year. But Robert Williams, listen to this. Leading the league in blocks, Okay. You know, every year Gobert leads the league in blocks. Gobert gets that, you know, friggin' defensive player of the year. Robert Williams not only leading the league in blocks, he's switching on dudes. The same reason Giannis won MVP because he could guard every friggin' position. So you lead the league in blocks, you can switch on everything. Plus, this is the best defense in the league by a mile. Like, it's not even close, but the numbers on defense. So, how is he not the deep boy? Like, you can't make a case to me that anybody's been more impactful for this team because without him oh my god 
Oh my God. And it's been amazing that he's been able to stay healthy because we saw flashes of this last year and he was just hurt. Amazing that he stayed healthy. Knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt because this team with him is completely different. Created here first, folks. Robert Williams, Defensive Player of the Year. B said it first. Um, and then in the Western Conference, bro, bro the, La- the Lakers just continue to be my, my morning meme, man. Like every, every, every morning I wake up, I look at my phone and I just see some like notificational bleach report of Russell Wilson smack talk or Russ, not Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, excuse me, talking crap to some fan, LeBron dropping 50 and yet they're still losing. Like there's always something new with the Lakers. I wake up and I'm like, man, the Lakers lost again. And then they lose again and again. They it's lost like, to Houston yesterday in overtime. In overtime. Oh my God. That's ridiculous. Like that's what I'm saying, man. I wake up every morning. I'm like, yo, did the Lakers lose? That's that is what it's come to with this team, bro. It's so bad. Like they're two and eight in their last ten. They're three and ten in the division. They're nine and twenty-one on the road. And if they get to the playoffs, which is a literally like barely could happen they're like literally they're right on the edge of the play in tournament let alone the playoffs so if the lakers get into the get into the top eight they're gonna have to go on the road and they stink on the road the lakers they stink men, in general yeah they do they do and i gotta tell like i know charles barkley mentioned it um a few nights ago too about them being on national tv i have no idea why they keep getting these okay, saturday nights it's still fun to watch though that's the thing that's just crazy <laughs> that's true so the- I, I do guess that is that is a good point, actually. Yeah, they are good I mean, entertainment that way. I, I've watched a lot of Lakers games because the way what's happened to them, my Celtics are going up, um, beating Kyrie. Everything's just going right in, in my life for basketball right now in the NBA. But then the Lakers, you see, like, I don't even care who's on your team, bro. If you have LeBron James, like, if LeBron was running with me, you – my brother and my dad. We should beat the Houston Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you're you're not wrong. Like, there's no way you should lose that game. How? Like, that doesn't make you telling me Jalen Green and all these dudes that are younger than us are beating that squad. Come on. I don't. I don't even know, man. They should. The Colts should have traded Carson Wentz to the Lakers, man. He would have fit right in. It's it's a it's an absolute mess. What's going on there? But anyways, there, there's no need to keep talking about the man trash team. Um, now let's, let's, let's go to college, man. And let's, let's, speaking of you and your teams, let's keep this thing rolling with uh, your Tar Heels who came up with an absolutely legendary win last Saturday against Duke. Greatest college basketball regular season win ever. Hands down. I know people that said they would trade natties to get this win. And uh, shoot, man, we did it. Uh, we were talking about it last week. I'm like, yo, I, I just, we got to do this. We got to send Coach K on an on a L. And they did it, man. Just the fact that those boys um, celebrating after the game, jumping everything, and you see all the Duke fans crying, you know, flipping people off, just pissed off. And you got the hundreds of Duke uh, ex players in the stands there. Coach K's pissed off. He's doing there's a you know a handshake thing. Then the the next day that they release a letter saying, "Oh, we're mad," like they were upset about Carolina not honoring him. Yo, get lost, man. They're just a bunch of losers, man. I love it. I love it. Brady Manic was on fire. Caleb Love showed up. RJ Davis hit this big shot at the end of the first half to only be down by three when Duke was on a run. Armando Baycott snubbed for ACC player of the year, but that dude's balling out. 
Leaky Black, first team all ACC defense. Like this squad, just play your five guys. Not not nobody coming off the bench, but these five guys gutted that out, man. They gutted that out. I love it. And I do think you're right. I don't know if if there is another college basketball regular season game that was as important as big as this one and for North Carolina to win a game where nobody was talking about I think more than half the people probably forgot there was even a game to be played and yet the Tar Heels came out and had the second half of their life like you said Brady Manick could not miss a shot in that first half RJ Davis had himself a day Linky Black had himself a day Caleb Love like those, those starting five to do what they did with not even sitting a minute in the second half first of all you know how hard it is First, in general, just to play a full half of basketball is tough. If I'm playing oh, yeah. uh, an immense league, right, now you add in, like, the, the stri- like just playing in an environment like that, one minute is worth, like, six or seven minutes of Bags. game time. You know what I mean? So they're, like, th- that extra 20 minutes, oh, my God. I can't imagine how exhausting that's got to be. And you can't – you don't want to – you're playing smart basketball. You're not turning over the ball. To be on point like that for the whole half, unreal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's also good that they got a double buy in the ACC tournament, right? So they get an extra day or two to rest after this game as well, right? They'll take on Virginia tonight. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, But back to this game, just an absolutely incredible performance, truly. An absolutely incredible performance. And we know this is Coach K's last game, or this was his last game at Cameron, so John Shire's going to take over next year. But for Hubert Davis, like we, we we were talking about this last year, man, and and when, when Roy retired and we're like, damn, like what's this going to mean for, you know, for, for Hubert Davis coming in? How's he going to handle his first Duke Carolina game and to get smacked the first time and to come in and win a game like this is, is legendary. Absolutely legendary for Hubert Davis. In your Davis. first year. Exactly. Right. In his first season to get a win like this, this rivalry is it's going to be nothing to him from now on because you just won the biggest Duke Carolina game. There's it doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. Like you could just retire on that win, like straight up. Like what do you have left to? That's what I'm saying. John, John Shire's never going to have a Duke Carolina game with that on the line. Never. Unless Hubert Davis becomes the next great, (laughs) like next great college basketball coach, which I'm not saying he can't, anyone could, but like, it's, it's it's rare to see. Come on. We we saw Roy and coach Kate. In no, this man, rivalry, that, for that's yeah, not to happen. Yeah, again. that was that was different, and it was it was great to get a chance to watch Bayheim and Coach K go at it one last time this afternoon as well. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. Um, seeing these legendary coaches one last time, but back to Hubert Davis, th- that was everything, man. Like for him to come in in his first year and get a win like that, I know a lot of people were skeptical, right? Like you have mm. really really big shoes to fill when you're filling Roy with the great Roy Williams seat. And Hubert Davis comes in and wins the biggest North Carolina Duke game there's ever been. And this rivalry, like, don't get it twisted. They're two different shades of blue. They hate each other. Like, this is this is the greatest, best rivalry in sports. Like, you, there is nothing that gets better than North Carolina Duke. And for North Carolina to go on the road in Cameron in Mike Krzyzewski's last game, which we were talking about the other day, Coach K has been coaching for 42 years, and they play twice a year, so... Carolina Duke has probably been what eighty plus games plus ACC tournament games, so maybe let's yeah, say ninety, like 90 something, hundred games. Exactly. North Carolina just won the biggest one, and mm-hmm. Duke knows that. Damn, we really, really wanted that. You saw after the game, they looked like demoralized, crying, yeah, crying. absolutely demoralized after that game. 
North Carolina went on the one that game. And it'll be interesting to see how the how they play starting tonight in Brooklyn, right? Both. We saw Duke get a win against Syracuse. We'll talk about that. But how Carolina kind of takes this momentum, right, moving on. But, man, it's it's something. And for Duke, you know, to have that one game and have so much on the line, I kind of question, like, it, you know, in the NCAA tournament, it's going to be the same thing. Like, there's going to be a lot of pressure. We got to get to the Final Four. We got to get to the Final Four. And Coach K's last yeah. NCAA tournament run, and you couldn't win one game. Now you got to win six straight. I don't That's know. a lot of pressure, man. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of pressure here for Duke, and we'll see hey, how that when, comes. When you're Carolina and you can go into that game 12-point underdogs in a Duke-Carolina game, it shouldn't matter who's in the jerseys. That game should only be a three-point spread one way or the other. doesn't matter if Duke's a top-five team and Carolina's on the bubble, right? That should only always be a three-point game whichever way. It's a 12-point game. Carolina's playing with house money. They're like, we ain't even supposed to win this game. All the pressure's on Duke. Um, what happens? They get this big win, get the boost all the way into the top 25. Like that. Now, if you're Carolina, you you can you're playing with house money the rest of the season. You whatever happens in the ACC championship, whatever happens in the in the big tournament, not none of it matters. You could lose in the first round, and Carolina fans will be like, "We beat Duke in that one game." You it's a successful season. Oh, absolutely! It's it's more than a successful season, man. That that's everything. Like those five dudes will be legends in North Carolina history, basketball history for that win. Like those five dudes will be remembered for winning this game for years to come. It's it's something else for the targets to go in there and win that game was something else. Absolutely something else. And who knows, man, they could go in and play again on Saturday night in the ACC championship. It'll be interesting to see if they go and do that. But for Duke, like I feel like the only way Duke is able to go on a run like that because I didn't really see anything too special. Like, I think Duke's a great team, but I don't, I can't really get behind the fact of them actually making a Final Four push when things are so wide open this year. I think in order for them to actually make a run here, Paulo Bancaro's got to go absolutely nuts in this tournament. Like, he's got to have the march of his life and just go crazy. And everyone else is feeding off of him. Wendell Moore gets involved, Williams gets involved, Roach gets involved. But it starts with Paulo Bancaro, and let's see if Duke can kind of rally around that. But unless if he can't do that and they're not having a shooting day, Duke could be done in the Sweet 16. Hey, yep, I, I totally agree. I don't even think this squad is, you know, as good as everybody hyped them up. I mean, that's the thing. This this, this whole tournament is so open. We don't know. This team could win the whole thing. This team mm-hmm. could lose in the second round. Who knows? Yep. Who knows? Yep. It's March, man. This is this is the this is literally what happened. And I guess we'll let's let's get into the ACC tournament here because you. You originally had Wake Forest going the distance here, and they ended up losing in the first round. Of the yes, and I the, was watching it. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I'm like, it's March. Like this is this is this is the ish that happens, man. In March, having Wake Forest lose to Boston College, who's actually low key kind of scrappy. Um, but they're they playing went, in a crazy game right now, actually. Yes, they are playing Miami. Miami at the moment. That is Tied correct. Game. Um, so, but here's um, yeah, I did have Wake Forest going to the finals. I had Carolina beating them in a Player of the Year snub versus the Player of the Year of the conference. Um, but I did have Syracuse um doing some damage, and I think they would have, man. I think so. They beat they beat up on Florida State yesterday, and they were underdogs in that game, and they won by forty. And there's the Buddy Bayham punch. He gets suspended. They played Duke today. 
and they were up. They were up at half. They were up for about 15, 14 minutes left of this game, and they were up. They're hanging right there. I'm just like, yo, if they had Buddy Bayham, they would have beaten Duke. And I was, oh, I wanted it so bad. But but the funny part out of all of that was the fact that if I'm a Duke fan, I'm sitting there like, oh, we don't have to deal with Buddy Bayheim bet. And then it's Jimmy Bay <laughs> Jimmy Bayheim that goes on drive and has the game yeah, the yeah. game of his life and drops 30 points. I was like, yo, I'm like Jim Bayheim sitting there like, oh yeah, one of my sons is in here. Don't worry, I got another who's gonna go out there. Like it's unbelievable. They pulled that off, man. Syracuse is scrappy, man. Like you literally Something cannot. About them in March, though, for real. As, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's it's uh, I honestly for a second for a second I really thought I was like, there's no way Syracuse might actually do this again and run the table and get back to the NCAA tournament. They were close, man. They were close. They got a little dry down. I agree with you. If Buddy Beheim was in that game. I don't know if Duke's advancing, man. Syracuse is scrappy, but as long as Jim Beheim is the coach of this team, which apparently he's coming back again next year. It doesn't matter what Syracuse's record is prior to March. Just whenever March starts, I wouldn't want to face them because they, they're they just a different team. They're I a different they were team. Find a way to get into the tournament without even winning the the ACC. I thought they were gonna you know get into the playing game or something and just end up in the Sweet Sixteen. You know, like one of those. They've done that like every year, literally every year. It's just something different, man. I, I you know what it is that zone. It takes a while to, for teams to uh, for them to figure Agreed. out how to run it. Agreed. Right? You have all the and they you've seen they've shortened the rotation. They were playing five dudes today, straight up five dudes. The five dudes that know how to play the zone. Gerard's been there forever. Obviously, Bayham's kids know how to play the zone. Swid, Swidler's been there. Like you know, what I mean, they're just playing the guys that know how to play it because all year long it's a tough thing to learn. It is. It yeah. takes a full year. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a valid point. That's a, that's a really good point. But uh, either way, I got to give Syracuse love. Like I was saying even the other day too, that that first round match against Florida State, I'm like, yo, that could be a really tight game, a gritty game. Florida State's tough. And what does Syracuse do? Syracuse, yeah. Syracuse mops the floor with them by like 40, 40 points and almost dropped 100 on them. Like that's ridiculous to me. And I got—I honestly, I got to give Syracuse love, man. They're a, they're a good team. It's unfortunate they couldn't get another few wins to get into the tournament because they were good. They're a damn good team. And another team that's trying to fight for their tournament lives is Virginia, who barely beat Louisville. And, here, and here's the thing about Virginia. I missed the end of the game. It was way too late. But I'm saying when I woke up this morning, I saw 51-50. I'm like, this is Virginia basketball. All year long, I'm like, bro, what is going on with Virginia? Like, this is a this is a team that's always like in the top 25, always in the top three in the ACC. And this year, they're they got the sixth seed. They lost the uh, a few trash teams back in November, and they got they started like two and four. And it's like, whoa, what's going on with Tony Bennett's squad? Now I get into this game and went 51 50 and an absolute slugfest. That's Virginia basketball. Virginia likes to play in these low scoring slugfest games. And if they can do that against your Tar Heels tonight, they may have a chance there. So if I'm North Carolina, I would not want to have a low-scoring affair, defense, all that kind of stuff, because that's the way Virginia likes to play. So it'll be interesting to see them there, too. Virginia Tech's another team that needs a win. They buzzer beater over Clemson. They'll take on Notre Dame tonight as well. Mm -hmm. I actually don't mind. I actually kind of like this matchup uh, for Carolina, just because I feel like Baycott's going to go wild on the boards. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a weak ACC, man. Weak, weak ACC. I feel like now there's no Wake Forest. It's kind of destined. 
it's kind of destined for it to happen. It could. I mean, I, I would not be surprised. I think it's going to be Duke Carolina again, honestly. I think it it's could. I mean, my, my official prediction is, is Duke over Notre Dame in the final, but like, I would not be surprised if North Carolina got there at all. So I feel like this North Carolina Virginia game, it's either going to be a close game down to the wire or North Carolina is just going to blow the doors off them by like 20 points, 30 points. So I feel like it can go either way here. Yeah, I, I, I think I think Carolina should do all right. Which one do you want to head over to next? Let's roll the SEC here. And this tournament, I was haven't been following a lot today, but obviously tomorrow the quarterfinals will get underway here. I know the top four teams, I know you and I both like them a lot. Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, mm-hmm. both really just all four teams, I think, can make it to the Elite Eight, like if they could. So we'll see how that goes there. Auburn will take on Texas A&M in the first one. And then currently LSU is absolutely destroying Missouri. So they will probably move on and take on Arkansas in that one. And the SEC is going to be a good tournament. Like I, I, There's a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams in this tournament that can ball that are going to make the tournament. I'm My official pick is Kentucky over Auburn. I really like Kentucky. Every time I've watched them this year, they've been a really strong team who's got a good, good starting five. But Kentucky's another weird team. I feel like they could lose in the Sweet 16 or make it all the way to the Final Four. I really like Auburn too, though. That's the thing. I, I'm going the opposite way. I got the same two in the finals. We're going shock. I'm going to take Auburn to win this thing. I just I just like Auburn's squad. I've liked them all year. Um, just, I don't know. Jabari's going to be the number one pick. I got Walker Kessler and Chibwe is going to be a hell of a matchup down low. Uh, that's going to be some good ball, man. I can't wait for that. I think this one goes chalk, though, pretty much. Yeah. No, the semifinal should be great. If it does... If it does go chalk, you'd have Auburn, Arkansas, and then Tennessee, Kentucky. Two great games in the semifinals. So, I mean, it could go either way, man. Texas A&M also buzzer beater over Florida. Florida, man, they needed that. That was tough. Mm-hmm. That's really tough. They were sitting on the bubble to lose that. I don't know if they get in now either. So, we'll see how that ends up there. But Tennessee's another interesting team, too. Like, they've they they gotten some big some wins. Damage. That's what I'm saying. They've they got some good teams. My dark horse in this tournament's Arkansas, though. They're scrappy. Good, yep. Yeah, they beat Kentucky. They beat Auburn. It'll be interesting, man. I'm, I'm looking forward like to the I feel like LSU here. can honestly uh, – who did you they say could. LSU was, was going to play next? Alabama, LSU, uh, yeah, uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually going to be a good matchup because LSU – I don't know why I like them, but – that would be something to look forward to. Yeah, no, agreed. I think LSU Arkansas is a good game as well. Alabama is a team that I don't. That I, don't I know you don't trust them either. We talked no, about that way earlier. No, like we no, just no, no I, I can't get behind them. And when we talk next week about the bracket, I feel like depending on where the matchup is, like I can it see them being be done first in the first round. round. Exit. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been yeah. Way like down on that squad. That's I don't what I'm saying. Know if they. J.D. Yeah, Davidson could, was kind of their hyped-up guy. I just never, I never really liked this game. Never saw it. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, I don't know what's up with Alabama. I think if they get a bad matchup first round, could be done. I feel like that might be the popular pick too, but we'll see um, how that goes there. The SEC quarterfinals tomorrow, semifinals Saturday, and then the finals Sunday afternoon at 1 Eastern. To the Garden in the Big East. Well, Providence survived, so there's that. There, that the was semis. a scare right there. They're in the semifinals. That is the first one there. And then Creighton and Marquette. 
Creighton is currently up 63-55 with four minutes to go in that one, so it's looking good for Creighton there. And Miami, Boston College, by the way, as well, quick update. They're 69-69 in overtime. Big game there. And then in the Pac-12, Arizona is on upset watch against Stanford. I picked, I picked that, actually. I'm not even going to lie to you. Arizona up by two, 65-63 with 740 to go. I did not see that coming at all either. Um, but rolling back to the Big East here, I mean, to start off with a big game, you mean we knew that Xavier Butler game was going to be a little all over the place, and it was wacky. Butler ended up getting a win, and then they kind of scrapped and clawed Providence, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, I like this Providence squad, but to me it's a squad that plays up and downs to their competition. I was saying, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost to Butler. But then I could also see them beating Villanova. Like, they play really up and down towards a um, competition. They only beat Butler by four. Um, but who knows? This is a – I mean, they're the one seed. So I don't consider them favorites, even though they're the one seed. I do think it'll be them and Villanova in the finals, though. I agree. I'm going to take Villanova over Providence as my official pick there. I don't know. Something about having Colin Gillespie back makes me – makes me trust Villanova a little bit more. And, and you know what? The funny thing that you just said about Providence, that's a scary thing heading into the NCAA tournament because if you play down to your opponent and you got a first-round game and Providence is like a three or a four seed, eh, you could be done in the first round, right? That, to me, that whole line that you just said just has first-round exit written all over it, upset city. So that will be interesting to watch to see if Providence, um, who they draw in the first round as well. I mean, they're going to play the winner of this Creighton-Marquette game, which looks like Creighton. I can see Creighton win that game too. Like, it's it's really anyone's game here. Um, and this one, Georgetown almost beat Seton Hall, man. I almost thought they were going to do it again, but they didn't. Uh, UConn will play Seton Hall, and then Villanova's got St. John's in the other two quarterfinals. Mm. But yeah, I'm going to take Villanova I could see Providence. both of those being really close games. I could see Seton Hall winning this one. I can see, I mean, the spread on this St. John's-Villanova game seven. I think that's a, a coverable amount. I think it's within seven points. I mean, that's the thing about March is like just you never know. Like St. John's could be Villanova. Creighton could run the table. UConn could run the table. Seton Hall could win the whole thing. Like you just you just never know about these things. But I mean, it, it's a, I haven't watched a ton of UConn this year. I don't know how much I can get behind them. Um, but I know Creighton and Marquette are both are both dangerous teams. And I think that's a tough matchup there that they're in right now because both teams are kind of similar. But, but I think in this case, Providence, Villanova, UConn, Creighton, Marquette, that's five teams there that I think should make the tournament. Xavier's the eighth seed in the Big East, but yet they're somehow, some way still on the bubble. I'm not, I don't really know how that, I think they might be done considering they lost to Butler in the first round of this tournament. So we'll see what happens here. So you like Providence over Villanova in this one. Yep. All right, we'll see what happens there. Then Big East Championship will be Saturday night. Semifinals will be tomorrow night on Friday. Uh, let's over to the Big Ten. Big, big game earlier today between Indiana and Michigan. And Indiana overcome for what I yeah, a 16-point deficit to yep. beat Michigan. That's tough, man. Because we knew the loser of this game would be in trouble. And you were high on on Michigan. I, I think was. I, I was telling. I think I told you how Indiana was. I had Indiana winning this game too. Yep. Didn't look like it though, but let's put a ball on it for Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan was my dark horse in this tournament, and I didn't realize. I thought Juwan Howard was suspended for the whole season. I didn't realize he was back for this no, game. No, it was only the five. It was the five games 
basically it was the end of the regular regular season. season. Okay, yeah. I didn't even realize that until today. Um, but that's a huge win for Indiana, huge win. And now they have an opportunity. But that's what we talked about, right? Last week we're saying Michigan, Indiana. If they win, they play Illinois. That's opportunity, right? You you get a really big opportunity. If you would knock off Illinois, I think Indiana just found themselves away into the NCAA tournament for certain. Whether they lose, they're still kind of teetering around that bubble, and then they got to wait and see what happens elsewhere. But Indiana, massive, massive win. Iowa absolutely slaughtered Northwestern, so they're going to take on Rutgers. That's a matchup I know you like um, there. And then Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State, Penn State later tonight, and then the quarterfinals will be tomorrow. Yeah, no, Michigan State, I mean, at this point in the year, I was just kind of go with the, the certified squads, especially like this. So Michigan State, I feel like we'll get this one. But Rutgers is definitely my dark horse. I mean, they've been kind of the giant slayers all year. Um, a handful of buzzer beaters over ranked teams. So that's a team I wouldn't want to play. Ron Harper Jr.'s got the ice in his veins. That's a team I do not want to play if I'm – you know, Illinois in the finals or whoever is getting there. I don't want to play Rutgers because that squad is not scared of anything. Yeah, Ron Harper, man, that's the name that you brought up the other day. I knew there was someone on Rutgers that was really good, and I couldn't remember with Ron Harper. Dangerous, man, but Iowa's a dangerous team, too. I think it's going to be a good mm-hmm. game all yeah. around. Like, they they are scrappy as well. But, yeah, if, if Illinois gets by Indiana and they'd have to play the winner of Rutgers and uh, Iowa, I think that's a – it's a tough game there, but I know you and I both like Purdue over Illinois in this tournament. I think, you know, you were high on Purdue early, kind of got me on the bandwagon. I watched them a little bit. I really liked them, but my thing with Purdue, I think, I think, I definitely think they're capable of winning this conference tournament, but I'm very skeptical of them come next week in the NCAA tournament, but we'll talk more about that next week. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've never had this level of a squad, so to me, it's it's hard to compare. I mean, the the real blue chip guy they had before this, Carson Edwards, Carson Final Edwards. Four. But, you know, Final Four is, I mean, you can't ask for really more than that from a, from Purdue, right? You can't ask for more than a Final Four. So if this squad, you know, gets an Elite Eight, that's that's a very successful season to me. Well, I'm, I mean, yes, getting to the Elite is definitely successful. But for me, I think for Purdue, it is you got to get to the Final Four. Because this is a team that's, like, they're usually a good team every year. And yet they haven't gotten to the final four. So I think trying to get there is should should be the goal every year for them. But this year they actually have a good team. Right? Other years they have a decent team that's maybe sweet sixteen is their ceiling. Whether this year, I think you and I both actually think they have a shot at the final four. So it'll be interesting. I'm not as high as on Wisconsin as everybody else is. Um, I just I just don't think they're that dangerous or that good. But again, I haven't really got a chance to watch them um up close. So We'll see what happens there. Big Ten quarterfinals tomorrow, Friday, semifinals Saturday, championship Sunday. will be the last championship before the selection show on Sunday at 6 p.m. And then the last conference tournament we're going to go over here, the Big 12, which TCU edged out Texas earlier today, 65-60. So they're moving on. Kansas is well on their way to the to the, uh, the semifinals as well. They are absolutely annihilating West poor West Virginia, um, 20-plus points there. So be interesting to see how that one kind of comes out there. You like Baylor. I kind of like Texas Tech in this game, or not, not in this game, in this tournament, but I have them losing to Kansas in the finals. Yeah, I feel like Texas Tech's actually going to get a scare tonight against Iowa State. I mean, we talked about Iowa State a while ago. Um, 
none of us are really super high on him. But again, I'm not super high on Texas Tech. I feel like this this team, this matchup should be pretty close. Um, the Texas game today was fantastic. I don't know, Texas. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna tell you right now. After watching this game today, I'm not picking Texas to go deep at all. Yeah, I'm not high Texas. on them either. I was liking Texas earlier in the year. But, I mean, Marcus Carr is your best player. That's fine. I mean, they just don't have a, any a competitiveness at all. In that second half, they just let TCU run all over them. And they blew a big lead in this one as well. So, I don't know about that. But I also expected this West Virginia-Kansas game to be a little closer than it is. So, who knows, man? This This is a fun conference for sure. Yeah. No, facts. And. Elsewhere, by the way, this is completely off program here. Breaking news, not official yet, but the LA Chargers are nearing a deal for Khalil Mack. The LA Chargers are in the works of a trade for Khalil Mack. So we'll have more on that probably next week if that ends up being official. But that is kind of a, that would be big, man. (laughs) If a team would have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, holy Jesus, that would be something. But back to the, back to the big 12 uh, tournament here. TCU is my dark horse, right? I said that the other day yeah, too. You did. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, TCU is my dark horse. Like they, they, they beat Kansas. They beat. I think it was Texas Tech, not Baylor. They beat been back to back games two weeks ago. I like TCU, man. They're they can be a dangerous team, and they'll be them in Kansas tomorrow night in the semis. That's a good game, and I think that we'll see how that happens there. But that should be something else there if Kansas holds on, and then I th- I like Baylor, Texas Tech. Um, in the other semifinals as well. So, oh man, I'm going. Gonna... I'm gonna go Baylor over Kansas here, man. I just stick to the preseason guns. Yeah, sticking with it. Um, but Kansas is really good. Kansas, those to me are, are hands down the top two teams in this conference. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think again, you've been high on Baylor right from the get go. Me, on the other hand, have been a little bit skeptical of them at times. And then Iowa State's another team, right, that was really high back early in December. And now they've kind of dropped all the way to six and kind of teetering along maybe the line. We'll see. They have a chance to beat Texas Tech. And if they do, we'll see how that happens. Um, Creighton Marquette is nearing a final 74-63 with six seconds left. So it looks like Creighton is going to play Providence in the Big East semifinals. Stanford is up by one with under five to play in the Pac-12. Jesus, that is... Ooh, that is something else there um, in that one. And then, B, before we wrap this thing up here, let's go to the teams that have already clinched a bid into the NCAA tournament. Murray State, Loyola Chicago. That's right, folks. Sister Jean is back in the NCAA tournament. Back-to-back uh, Missouri Valley uh, Conference Championship wins. Pretty amazing. I like Loyola, man. They're a good team. Every time they get in the tournament, they're a dangerous team. I'll be interested to see who they match up with against there. But they got some ballers on that team. Lucas Williamson, Norris, they can shoot the rock well. Um, Ugok down low. They're a good team. So it'll be interesting to see how they end up doing. Chattanooga is in the tournament for the first time in seven years. Georgia State, Longwood. And we were saying this the other day. Like, There's always one or two schools that make the tournament that we have never heard of in our lives. Longwood is that school for me this year. I had no idea this school existed, but congratulations to them on making the tournament, and they're probably going to end up playing Duke or Arizona or Kentucky or Gonzaga in the first round, and they're probably going to be done after that. Uh, Colgate won the won the Patriot League. Jacksonville State won the Atlantic Sun, although they didn't even win 
the actual conference tournament. Bellarmine, another school that I've never heard of, won, but they're not eligible. So Jacksonville State, who's the regular season uh, title holder, gets to go to the tournament. Delaware, Wright State, South Dakota State, all in the tournament as well. And then Gonzaga won the West Coast title for what feels like the 5,000th time. So we'll see how they're, how that goes there after winning same as Andrew Nemhar. I don't know if you watched the end of that game. Andrew Nemhar just took over the last five minutes of that game. Hey, and his brother's balling out on Creighton now too. So that's a nice little uh, two more brothers in the league or what? Facts. I mean, hopefully. I mean, I don't know if Nemhar goes to the NBA after eyes, but we'll see how that ends up going there. But, and am. We'll see a lot more stuff to, to go over before Selection Sunday next week, but those are the teams that have made it there. Um, but, yeah, man, these, these tournaments are going great. The NFL is going wild. There's so much stuff to talk about, but next week we'll have the full bracket breakdown, and I'm actually just trying to figure out if this Khalil Mack thing is official or not because that, to me, is a blockbuster trade right there, although it's not like we've heard a lot from Mack over the past few years though no but it's problem I feel like it's more because a couple of years ago he's probably the best guy on, and him and Aaron Donald were the two best guys in the league and Aaron Donald's just different where you can game plan for him you can have three guys on him and he's still going to find a way to get his name in the stats um, Khalil Mack you have three guys on him not the same story but now if you have Bosa on the other side of him opens up the works again yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is something else. So, yeah, so what it looks like, yeah, Adam Schefter tweeted it, so it looks like it is official here, and that's another star star to the AFC West. That's another guy. Like they, so you, <laughs> you go away from Aaron and Bosa, now you got the other Bosa, and you got Khalil Mack on the same squad. Gee. Unbelievable. I mean, the Chargers were probably like, we got to do, we got to do something. Y'all went and got Russell Wilson. We got to get someone to try and take him down. Unbelievable. And then Khalil Mack gets to face the Raiders twice a year now too. Holy, holy jeez. This is something. So the Chargers are expected to send a 2023 second and a sixth round pick to Chicago in exchange for Khalil Mack. Wow. 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 That's not even a bad return at all. It's not, it's not at all. And I think for the Chargers, that's a huge win, man. This is, it's already a ridiculous team. Like they, they got an unbelievable defense. They got um, was it Derwin James back there? Like, whoo, Jesus, something else, man, something else. But that'll that'll do it for this week's episode of Baller Island. B final thoughts. Oh yeah, just seen your boy of uh, a video of your boy Kaepernick saying he's in the best shape of his life. So more quarterback carousel or what? Been seeing that for five years, man. <laughs> Just nothing, nothing there. Unless something does, then obviously we'll talk about it. But I highly doubt that's anything <laughs> crazy. Um, but let's see if Stanford, uh, they're the only team right now that's on upset watch against Arizona. Let's see if that holds on here. But next week we will have another episode of Baller Island Bracketology. Cannot wait Cannot for that. wait, man. We got the field of 68. We're going to break it all down next week. So until then. Enjoy this weekend, folks. A lot more great basketball to watch, and we will see y'all next week where we break down the full NCAA bracket. Thank you for listening to another episode of Baller Island. We got a lot more basketball content coming your way, so keep a lock, stay tuned, and don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more sports news and analysis. 